Hello and welcome. Episode number 16. That was 1-6. Season 2, episode 6 of the podcast, Spandex Planet. This is a traveling podcast, so I'm uh, on the road. A road dog. So this will be very, very uh, raw. No edits. No, uh... No intros, me, you, and the open road. So, um, as always, I do want to kick things off with our sponsor, our main sponsor, really the guy who who finances this whole thing, um, who really makes this possible, and uh, that guy's Gary Swan. So today's episode is brought to you by Gary Swan, LLC. Gary Swan is the leading manufacturer of Gary Swan merchandise, the leading businessman in all of entertainment. He really likes to drive home his message of quantity over quality, saturating the market. He finds young talent. He develops them. He finances them. He wines and dines them. You can see some of his handiwork on the official Gary Swan YouTube page, youtube.com slash Gary Swan. He not only helps you as far as social media and as far as entertainment, but also just as far as life values. If you're interested in becoming a part of the Gary Swan family, go ahead and shoot an email over to Gary Swan 2017 at gmail.com. Guys, I want to apologize. Uh, for being a little bit late this week, I already had some of my my wonderful fans reach out and, and mention that it wasn't up on Monday morning. Sorry, sometimes um, things like that may happen, but I'll still get it out for you every single goddamn week. You know, I, I think also maybe I'm, I'm glad um, got a chance to really dive into Raw and SmackDown this week on the WWE front. Not a whole lot to speak of. I think I've said this before. I, I really hate being the negative the negative person, um, especially because not that I've been there in WWE, but I, I've been in the industry. And uh, I understand kind of how it works. Uh, I'm passing a sign right now that says vasectomies, so that's cool. Um, ADD is going to be bad in this one. Anyway, so, you know, I, I, I hate to be negative because it is what it is. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Um, and I understand having, like, particular talent that you like and storylines that you would like to see and it not happening and maybe being frustrated by that. Well, this episode of Raw was the Raw Reunion. And I think that was the reunion that nobody asked for. And it was, in my opinion, not executed, you know, great. I think as far as entertainment value goes, the casual fan is going to love this. But I think as far as, like, the, the smarks, if you will, works it to weigh in, I, I don't think that they enjoyed it. And I think if you're on any sort of, like, Reddit page or any social media whatsoever, you'll see that the response was overwhelmingly negative. And really because there was just no point. I think that the, the 24-7 stuff was 
was fine. Um, you know, I, I think that that's entertaining. It's it, for what it is. It's fine. I think that uh, the other stuff was was weird. You know, I normally would be pretty excited about a Seth Rollins AJ Styles match, and you know, just with all the interference from the OC, as they're now known. Uh, and if you're on Reddit at all, somebody made a like an entrance video for them using the OC theme song, the California. That whole thing, um, and it's pretty funny, but by the OC, and then we had, like, DX come out, and I guess, I guess it was, like, a weird hybrid DX slash The Click, even though they came out to a New Age Outlaws, um, Titan Tron, even though Billy Gunn is with AEW now, um, and, you know, Scott Hall, Road Dog, Xbox, and I I can't remember if Nash was there, I don't. I don't think that he was, but anyway, just so much like interference just got really overshadowed by that. So the match wasn't especially um, great to me, I guess. Um, I think as far as SmackDown went, just a lot more of the Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens stuff that I just, it's just not landing. And I think this, you know, and now we're getting like a Kofi, Randy Orton sort of, sort of thing that I also don't think is landing on the WWE title front. And so just like people are saying that the, that Robbie Union was a was a ratings grab. And I would say other than Stone Cold Steve Austin, there there wasn't a whole lot to it. Uh, I think, you know, with, with Steve Austin, you, you're always going to get like a huge pop and people are going to be excited. But it just like past that, it was just there was it was kind of pointless. And um it really makes you think also, if nothing else, like how there's no stars now. I think that Brock Lesnar is probably the closest thing. Uh, and even then, like there's no one in this company right now on the level of a Stone Cold Steve Austin. And there's no one you could even argue is at that level. I think that they're trying to do that with Seth, but there's something about him. Like he's a great wrestler. Uh people like him, but he's not like a star star, you know, he's not like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock type of star, and it's very, very evident when you see a Steve Austin return, and he just, he's more popular still to this day than anyone else on the roster, I think the closest thing, or the closest that we ever came to that was probably when Becky Lynch started to really fire up with the man stuff, but that was kind of, kind of fizzled out, and, um, Man, it's kind of a bummer. It's really weird. And I think that's why AEW has such a huge opportunity right now and why there's so many eyes on it, just because it's something different. And and I'm not saying that they have stars, quote-unquote, there, that WWE doesn't have. If you were to compare star power, obviously WWE's, you know, leaps and bounds um, above them in that area. But still, I mean, WWE doesn't really necessarily have a stranglehold on on. The, the business as it as it was. I think there's always been companies, but now there's like legitimate competition, or so it seems, um, with a lot of money behind it and a lot of great talent. And I just don't think that they're doing themselves any favors. Um, you know, people aren't pleased. And then if you start looking at the SummerSlam card shaping up, I mean, we're just it's just a lot of like rematches. And uh, you know, as far as WWE goes, really the shining shining star this week 
not Primo and Epico. It was uh, 205 Live. So if we're looking from a straight wrestling standpoint, we had the Lucha House Party and or versus Humberto Carrillo and uh, Raul Mendoza, who apparently are like just called up full time from from NXT. Very brief brief appearances there. And this match was, it was so good, man. It kept my attention. I think WWE nowadays has a hard time, like, I catch the highlights, and then and, and I'm, I'm good there. This match kept my full attention. It was super, super athletic and just a lot of fun. It got the crowd excited, where a lot of times by the time 205 Live hits, there's a lot of fatigue because it's after SmackDown. And, yeah, this, this was a great match. And then we had Shane Strickland up from NXT. I don't know if they're going to call him up or not, versus uh, Drew Gulag. That match was so good. Um you can tell, you know, I guess Gulak trained, trained, did I say Shane Strickland? So he's Isaiah Swerve Scott now. A um, lot of, a uh, lot of stiff strikes and just crisp, just like cool stuff. And I think the crowd was super into it there. So that was really the, the best show. And, it, it, you know, I think 205 Live a lot of the time is sort of the best show of the week, but it just gets so overshadowed because there's not a lot of press for it. It's only on the network. And it comes, like, after SmackDown. And, you know, I don't think that they've had a great track record of, of stars being there. I think if you look at, like, a like a Mustafa Ali is probably the best success story who comes out of it. He's had, like, WWE title shots. It's a pretty big focus on SmackDown for the most part. And then if you look at Cedric Alexander is starting to make some moves now. Has a little thing going with Drew McIntyre, which is actually awesome super happy like Cedric is awesome so that's cool and then I think it was the same idea with Buddy Murphy but he you know they haven't really done much with him outside of Kevin Owens shouting him out on on TV so a lot of room for opportunity with 205 Live but it continues to be a great show when I was younger my favorite show so like obviously Raw and Smackdown are great you got the big stars you got the Triple H's and the Kurt Angles and you know the Edges and the Jericho's and all that but um, Velocity and Heat were my absolute favorite shows. Uh, I think I, I did watch like Jack and Metal before that, and then there was a show I can't remember what it was called, like maybe the WWE Experience or something that was on briefly too. That was kind of lame. Um, but the um, Velocity and Heat were just like. They have their own storylines, don't they? It just like 205 Live. Obviously, it was it was kind of a recap show with some, you know, lower card stars. But I just I loved the lower card um, stars and the cruiserweights and and everything that both of those shows had to offer. It was in bite sized chunks, like it wasn't like a three hour commitment to actually watch it. And I, I I was a huge fan. So like on Velocity, you know, you get all the cruiserweights. Like I said, a lot of like Paul London and. Um, had some like Billy Kidman on there, Tajiri and Jamie Noble, which are just some of my favorite guys to this day, like big inspirations for me, and like some of my favorite guys of all time, you know. Um, and then you get like the the Sean O'Hares, which I was always such a huge fan of him. He was so cool to me. And uh, Funaki eventually was the mainstay, which is a whole another thing. But Velocity overall was really cool, and you got to see some guys debut that were, you know. They were uh, essentially doing dark matches that were taped. And I think that's something that NXT still does sometimes and 205 Live does also. So those are the kind of the comparisons that I draw. 
And then you talk about Sunday Night Heat, man. So, like, in the 90s, Sunday Night Heat was one thing. It was really just an extension of Raw. And, you know, there was some recaps. It led up to a pay-per-view. Guys that wrestled on Raw wrestled on Heat also. But then, um, in the later in the later years, really, like, the 2002 to 2005 era, it was kind of, like, its own separate entity, which was really cool to me. I think, like, you had your, your Heat mainstays, and I used to think of them as, like, Sunday Night Heat champions. So, like, Raven was just, like, a huge – he was never on Raw, but always, always, always in the main event of Heat. He had his own storylines where he was, like, breaking people's fingers. Uh, and then you had, of course, Stevie Richards, and for a time it was known as Stevie Night Heat. Oh, another guy who's always, always on the show in the main event. Um, and then you get some random, like, tag teams. Like, Rodney Mack was always on there. D'Lo Brown was always on there. Uh, Chris Nowinski, eventually. I can't remember who else I always loved watching on Heat. But, yeah, you know, you have the occasional, like, Big Show was on there or, like, Matt Hardy or something. But for the most part, it was almost like its own separate roster. Oh, Mark Jindrak and Garrison Cage. They had its own almost, like, tag team division. So I was so into that, man. I was so pumped for that every Saturday and Sunday night. And back then, it was, like, Saturday Night Velocity. Loved it. Amazing. Um, always really look forward to it to see some cruiserweights. And then, you know, Sunday Night Heat. Always look forward to it to see, like, the Ravens and the Stevie Richards, like I said, the Rodney Max. Um, and then, if you go to the... the um, the Monday night, then it's Raw, and then Thursday night was SmackDown. So there's wrestling on, like, a lot. And those are just, like, it really is nostalgic for me to think of that. And, man, that reminds me of, like, when SmackDown Here Comes the Pain came out, which is arguably the greatest wrestling game ever made. And a lot of those guys that were on Velocity all the time were actually, like, included. Like, you had your Sean O'Hares and your Jindrax and your Ultimate Dragons and all that. Dude, I was so stoked on that game. I play. I put so many hours into that. Especially there was like the um, Elimination Chamber was on there, which was the first time. So that was just like so much fun to play with like people and all in a great roster. It was it was a lot of fun. There's a guy on YouTube, um, 616 Entertainment, and he's like a gamer guy. And he does like backstories on like the history of games and stuff. And he's a wrestling fan. And he does a whole SmackDown series like revisit. And then there's also like individual um, videos of the SmackDown game. So highly recommend you go watch those and specifically the Here Comes the Pain one if you want to relive or if you're if you're not of that age yet, just see what the hype was about. Super cool. I guess in the gaming industry, there's some, some word that uh, Ukes, who has a hand in uh, WWE 2K games, is, is creating a new game. And I guess the rumor is like a remastered Here Comes the Pain style game. For WWE potentially, or, or maybe not. I, I'm not sure. I think it's a little early for them to do a AEW game, um, maybe a New Japan. But I think that maybe there's like an exclusive deal with WWE. I, you know, I don't know. That's just a lot of hearsay. But I figured somebody would be interested in that. So I, I, you know, spit that out. But yeah, man. I think like I, I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it was just a better. Weird uh, technical difficulties there. <laughs> Not even using like a program or anything, uh, using an app, and uh, it seemed to have crashed. So anyway, I completely forgot what I was talking about because I was trying to get it back. But regardless, I think I was talking about like velocity or some shit like that. I don't know. But yeah, man. Oh, I know exactly what I was talking about. Nostalgia. So if you go back to the Attitude Era, it was awesome in a lot of ways because 
everybody had a storyline, everyone had something to do, but it also, like, the match quality was not good. If you watch, like, an Austin Rock match, like, it's not a great match. Like, it flows well. The psychology is fine. It's not, like, a great match. Like, it's just the characters were crazy. The crowd was into it. And that issue there really, like, pushed the envelope, and it was just something different. And, you know, in the 90s, it was just right for the time. So from that standpoint, like, today's, like, wrestling is better, and actual wrestlers are better. There's no question about that. Um, but if you really go back to, like, the 2002s, 2003s, like, I think that the match quality really, really improved. And I also think that the um, the... I guess, like, the storylines were similar to Attitude Era, just wasn't as, like, crazy, except for, like, Triple H fucking a dead body, you know? That was weird. Um, but, like, if I look back, like, I don't know if I love it. I don't know if kids of today are going to look back and be, like, in, in, you know, 2030 and be, like, yo, WWE in 2019 was amazing. It was the best. Um, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if I look back on 2001 to 2005 and just say, like, it was the best time in WWE just because of nostalgia or because it really was so far. I don't know. I know nostalgia plays a big part, but I'd love an objective view. Um, And I really have nothing else to go off of other than that. So, and AEW has All Out coming out pretty quick. They just announced, like, a Darby Allin, Joey Janela, maybe Jimmy Havoc? like, triple threat match, and so they're just going to beat the living fuck out of each other, and there's going to be S-S-S-Mish blood, and it's going to be really cool, so excited for All Out, I think that WWE will really have something, something to, to work against, um, and, and when we have AEW on, on, on TNT October 2nd, it's like, man, Big, big things happening, and, you know, the G1's going on, so Dave Meltzer made a made a point, like, for Seth Rollins, which, you know, Seth Rollins has been defending his company, as he should, on, on social media, he's like, you know, for Seth Rollins to say WWE's the best company, the best wrestling company, while, you know, the G1 is going on, and AEW's out there, it's crazy, and I agree with that from a wrestling standpoint, I think WWE has strong matches, but as a whole, G1 obviously is having better matches, um, but as far as, like, an entertainment company, yes, absolutely. WWE is leaps and bounds above everyone from the production quality to kind of, like, the total package. Um, and no one can really touch them there. So I'm hoping AEW gets some folks in there that, that know how to bring some of that. And I think they've showed glimpses of that, but they're not quite there yet. And that's kind of... You know what's really cool about us as wrestling fans having the the opportunity to just kind of watch that unfold, and it's a good time to, to be a fan. And on this podcast, it is called Spin Next Planet, so I figured, hey, man, I can talk about other stuff as long as they're wearing spandex, right? So I'm going to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race. Just kidding. I haven't seen that. I'm sure it's great. Um, and that was my attempt at a joke, and then, like, after I said it, I immediately regretted saying it, and I should probably... Um, you know, end the podcast now, because that was really, uh, really bad, but that's what happens when you laugh, baby, we're laughing, pal, um, but I did see Spider-Man Far From Home, and I mentioned I'm a big, like, comic book 
superhero, Marvel movie, DC Cinematic Universe, the Universe Marvel, all that um, fan. And uh, I saw Far From Home, and I just want to quickly talk about it, because I think that if you're a wrestling fan, I generally that correlates to the to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well, in my experience. But man, that movie was like, just, per- like Marvel plays that stuff out so well, it was just perfect timing. Um, the, it, it was just very like, laid back, because Endgame was just so serious, and, like, long, and just such, like, an epic type of thing, and Far From Home was just way more laid back, and it was really cool, but that being said, the stuff with Mysterio was so awesome, Jake Gyllenhaal killed it, um, I don't want to, like, spoil it, even though it's been out, but, man, that shit was so good, the, uh, when you get towards the end, um, you really get to see the spidey senses, and, um, if you've ever watched, like, the cartoons or read the comics, you know Mysterio creates those illusions, and you get to see, like, his his whole, um, using his spidey senses, like, basically, like, the blindfolded kung fu type of thing, and it's just super cool, super badass, which I don't say frequently, but I don't know how else to talk about that scene, but, yeah, it was awesome, man. So, when we're talking about those movies coming out, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home was awesome, and then... San Diego Comic-Con also occurred, and we announced Phase 4, so we have, like, a Doctor Strange multiverse horror movie, we have The Return of Blade getting rebooted, which is so dope, super pumped for that, hopefully we get an R rating, as it should be, or I don't know how a PG-13 Blade would actually be, um, and then we have a, a Thor Love and Thunder, where Jane takes the Thor mantle, which is, you know, whatever, we have the Eternals. We have some like Fantastic Four stuff going on. So a lot of big stuff coming. Super excited about it. Um, also at Comic Con had some Mattel stuff going on. A lot of new figures announced. Some really cool ones too. We're doing like a Brood Christian, which I want. Gonna have to drop some money on that one. Um, we're doing like a uh, and that's at least seventy seventy one. So like a Johnny Gargano, there's a Vince McMahon, like, announcer, which is pretty unique, um, we have, like, Daniel Bryan with the Eco-Friendly Championship coming out, and Mattel's stepping it up for, uh, the end of this year and next year, man, they've got some really cool stuff coming out, oh, they announced Ultimate Edition 3, which is Finn Balor, of course, and, and Triple H, like, a 1999, 2000 Triple H, with, like, the chainmail and that stupid, like, leather hat he used to wear, it's gonna be so dope, man. I'm excited to just get that accessory, that WWE, like, title. Uh, it's going to be cool. Uh, I think that pretty much covers it for, like, reviewing The Week in Wrestling, that, that recap. And I decided I'm going to I'm gonna really keep these short and sweet. I don't want to, like, ramble on. Like, if I have a lot to say, it might be long, but I really want to keep it, like, bite-sized, just a quick hit for you. So between, like, 20 and 30 minutes. Um, and if I need to go longer, I will, but I just think it's more easily digestible and you're more likely to listen to 20 to 30 minutes versus an hour. So looking back for, for today, for our like story time, uh, phase here, I don't believe that I've talked about this, but I, I may have. So National Pro was probably the biggest opportunity that we had ever like received and 
it was one of those things where, like, they were requesting us in a lot of ways, and, you know, they had a meeting with us, and they talked about how they saw us on this, we worked this, like, random-ass show, there were, like, five people at the beginning of that year, and to the promoter, we were the, and he was, happened to be one of those, like, five people in the crowd, he was, like, scouting for his new promotion, so we were the only ones, and this is not to bash anyone else that was, that was working uh, that show, but... We were really, like, the only ones that stood out to him. And, like, you know, I, I think um, that show had a lot of challenges, but we just really tried to, like, ham it up and just be as goofy as possible and, like, be entertaining. And so I'm glad we stood out because I don't think, like, our in-ring work was necessarily, like, the best. But we definitely had the largest, like, characters, and I think we were we were just, like, kind of funny and we were decent enough so we stood out and then you know they they saw us work some other shows like later on in the year where we you know got our gear made and we looked more professional we had our characters more honed in and, and, and crafted to you know how we want it and it was really like flattering honestly and like such a big opportunity based on everyone that was going to be on that roster I believe I've talked about this before but you know the originally they had got like Adam Page who we all know is Hangman now uh, Stephen Walters, who is now uh, Dash Wilder of the Revival, and then of course you know there were like Davy Richards, Kyle O'Reilly, and um, you know some other some other guys. I know I've talked about that before, but just some like pretty big like indie names at the time, and it was pretty pretty awesome to to be you know like asked to be a part of that, and not many of the guys that we used to work with actually were requested for that like there was a few but like all in all it was really like just like us and a, and a couple other guys that we knew so super duper flattering and, and we really made the most of that opportunity we had a meeting with them where we talked about our character and like the direction that they wanted to go they gave us of course complete like control but they gave us more you know direction as to what they would be looking for and so we were totally cool with that we tried to like meet them with a lot of enthusiasm and like a lot of like you know uh, we're, we stayed a little bit in character, uh, which is funny, but I think, and we got a good opportunity. So, you know, at the end of the day, they only ended up having like two shows and, and then I don't know really what happened. I think they just realized like it's really hard to run a show and they didn't draw and they lost a lot of money and this stuff. Um, the first show was at a college football convention. So there was, you know, over a thousand people there, which is obviously nerve wracking. The most we ever worked in front of and You know, we had a match with two kids who actually wrestled in the area who were her elements of wrestling was their name. And they were very, uh, they, they wrestled a lot of guys. They wrestled like Cedric Alexander for one. and like some, some pretty decent indie names and they were young and exciting and did the shooting star presses and the four fifties and all the flippy stuff. And I think we had a great match with them. Ended up being kind of like a main event. We went like a half hour with them and it was a lot of fun. Some real, like, I mean, we got some pushback from the promoter, even though like, well, not even the promoter. We got pushback from, like, one of his, like, assistants who was, like, yeah, guys, like, go as long as you want. Um, just try to keep it, like, under a half hour. And I remember this very clearly. Just really, like, trying to get a lot of heat and just make it fun, make it entertaining for yourselves. So we went, like, just about 30 minutes. And then they basically just told us it was too long. They would have liked for it to be, like, more like 15 minutes. And it's just, like, that was annoying. But we got a lot of positive feedback from our opponents, from the fans, from people who saw it. And so, you know, that was pretty cool. Um, and, you know, 
it, that was fun. And, and then when we got booked for the next show, it was like a tag team tournament that was going to set up this feud with us and these other local guys. And it was at a different location and it only drew like, you know, a hundred people. And I think they were expecting a few hundred and it was just kind of a bummer. But if there's one thing I could think about is like, we should have known our worth more. And I think that's something that when you're young and you're coming up, like, Hey, you shouldn't get paid because you're paying your dues. But at the end of the day, when people are booking you, like when you're, when you wrestle at the place that your school runs, like, I think it makes sense to like maybe not get paid um, right away. Um, because people say, obviously, like, oh, you should only get paid if you're drawing some of the gate. But at the end of the day, you're putting your body on the line. So, you know, you're 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 working. I mean, that's literally the, the metaphor or the – that's how people describe wrestling. Like, the, the term is working, and I guess it's not a metaphor. And so, if you're working, you should get paid for that. Um, but especially when someone starts booking you and they're, like, asking you and you're not, like, approaching them, you know, even if you are, frankly – you you sh- you should know your worth and i think like i'm not saying like we definitely got paid but it's like i wish we would have known like what we were contributing because i think we contributed something pretty pretty nice for them and sure we're not contributing to the davy richards level and that's like totally we shouldn't shouldn't get paid more than that <laughs> or even the same as that i'm just you know some of the paydays are sort of insulting and it's like, I think because we were like young and they figured, I mean, what do we care? And I, at the time I, I felt this way, but we just didn't speak up. And I think that it's not going to hurt to speak up. Like the worst that's going to happen is they're like, well, no. Uh, but I, I think you just have to know your worth. So if someone's booking you, like, don't be afraid to like, make sure you get paid, man, especially if you're traveling and like, we, I mean, we got paid when we had, like, a few weeks of experience, and they just needed some guys to fill some spots in Memphis. Like, not the best experience we ever had with wrestling, but they totally, like, paid us, you know? I don't know. That's just, like, a lesson I think you have to know. Like, I think it's so fucking stupid if you're like, oh, just, like, you're young and you're young coming up. Like, you don't need to get paid. Like, yes, I understand paying your dues and getting experience is the most important thing, but at the end of the day... You get paid something, man. That hot dog and a handshake thing is one thing. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think things have changed a lot, and it just depends on the territory that you're in. Like, people are going to have different viewpoints on different things in different places. At the end of the day, it is a show, and you're providing your talents for the show. Um, and if somebody's requesting you, especially, you, you, you need to get paid for that, and, and you shouldn't be afraid to ask for something. And, and you know, hi, it's just like a regular job, man. If you're asking for a promotion or a, a, a sign-on wage, like, ask for a certain amount, highball it, and then when they lowball it, you still get what you wanted, you know, or at least close to it. So that would be just some advice. Not much of a story time, but just sort of a past experience that, I can relate to you guys. So I think I'm going to kind of shut the door on this cast now. Thanks for the impromptu. We may have a few more of these traveling raw, raw in the, in the raw. I'm also doing this nude. So, you know, plopping everywhere. Um, So yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. Still don't have uh, a uh, closing phrase or whatever. But you can follow me on Twitter. Tweet at me. Tweet at me. At SpanXPod on Twitter. And we can talk about comic books. We can talk about 
Marvel movies. We can talk about uh, wrestling. We can talk about MMA that I've spoken about numerous times. We can talk about anything having to do with spandex. I'll try my best to respond. Anyway, follow me, tweet at me, give me some suggestions. And as always, I appreciate the listening from Spandex Planet. This has been... Bang!